Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. I am delighted that you have joined me virtually in my kitchen today, and we have a great show, and I can't wait to introduce you to Sarah Wilson, and so you can learn about I Quit Sugar. But meanwhile, just wanted to encourage you to keep those questions coming and and continue to connect with me at kitchenchat.info. I love to hear from you, and we are on a fun culinary journey together. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you Sarah Wilson. She is a journalist, television host, and blogger, and a qualified health coach with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition in New York, and she lives in Sydney, Australia, and is joining us virtually in my kitchen today. So, Sarah, welcome to Kitchen Chat. Oh, it's lovely to be in your kitchen. I'm here with a virtual wooden spoon. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, congratulations on this great, great new book called I Quit Sugar, your complete eight-week detox program and cookbook. And it just could not have come at a better time. And I'm sure my daughter, Katie, won't mind my sharing this, but she's recently been advised um, from the doctor to remove sugar from her diet. So I am just literally devouring your book for, you know, different great recipes and and ideas. So I'm just so eager to share with the listeners um, just some important takeaways of of what you have learned Mm. in your own journey and detox. So, um, but... What absolutely surprised me, Sarah, was when you wrote in the book that we are designed mainly to eat six to nine teaspoons of sugar per day. Absolutely. That's the recommendations from the American Heart Association, and it's also the recommended guidelines that are about to be released from the World Health Organization, and that's based on the latest science. So, you know, we've been told a whole heap of conflicting dietary messages over the last couple of years or the last probably 60 years and slowly, slowly we're starting to learn things like it's not fat that makes us fat, it's sugar that's making us fat and sick. So these big organizations, these big advisory bodies are switching their recommendations right down to six to nine teaspoons of sugar a day and it's about three teaspoons for children. And just to put things in context for your listeners, you know, a small carton of low-fat yogurt, and of course, low-fat contains more sugar, um, it's about six teaspoons of sugar. Um, a glass of apple juice, and I'm talking whether it's organic, freshly squeezed, straight from a carton, any kind of juice, a standard glass is around about nine to ten teaspoons of sugar, the same as, you know, as soda. So, I mean, these are frightening statistics, and it really, really gives an indication of, of just how much sugar we're eating. 
And that, it, it just, you know, is mind-boggling. And, and before we get into the wonderful steps and everything, just a little bit of background. I mean, what impact will this study have on juicing? Because I, you know, quite um, honestly, I am a breast cancer survivor, and I've been advised to, to kind of uh, definitely reduce the sugar intake and everything for continued healing. And I thought I was doing the right thing by doing juicing mm. with fresh, whole, delicious, blueberries and 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 all of that does that kind of change the equation well the thing is is that juicing um, I it, it's highly problematic every nutritionist you'll speak to will tell you that juice is a really bad idea because it is just huge amounts of sugar so Whole fruit is fantastic if you're eating whole fruit you can also choose to eat low fructose you know, fruit. So some of the low fructose options, which are much better for you, contain a lot less sugar, are berries. So your blueberries and your blackberries are fantastic options. Um, kiwi fruit is another great one, but eat it whole. So once you juice it, you're getting rid of the fiber. And the fiber is what slows passage down. So it, it slows um, the metabolization of sugar um, for your poor old liver that has to sort of, you know, deal with the, the big sugar dump when you, when you drink um, juice. It's just too much and too fast. And bear in mind, a glass of juice will contain four apples, you know. You should try to sit down and eat four apples back to back. You just can't do it. And that's because of the fiber. So... Look, okay. there's wonderful vitamins and, and so on involved, you know, contained in fruit. I'm saying eat your fruit whole, eat one to two pieces a day and choose low fructose options. And I always advise, you know, we should be eating about six to seven serves of fruit and vegetables a day. You know, opt towards more vegetables than fruit because it does contain, you know, vegetables do contain less sugar. Okay, and that is just a great place to start. And these recipes, listeners, you will just drool over. I mean, you make no sugar, um, very tasty. <laughs> and I never thought about that. Yeah, it's part of my philosophy. I really don't like the idea of denial and diets and restriction. Diets don't work. We all know that. And that's because we as humans, you know, if, if, if we get told not to do something, all we want to do is do that thing. We see a wet paint, do not touch sign. All we want to do is touch that wet paint. If I'm told not to eat something, I obsess about that particular food. That's what we're like. So the way that I designed my book, I spent, I spent six to 12 months researching the best techniques for quitting sugar. I spoke to addiction theorists. I spoke to you know, scientists from around the world. And I developed this program that makes it as easy as possible and as positive as possible. So instead of going on about what you can't eat, what I do is really show what we can eat, what are the best options. And then my recipes, you know, there's the eight-week program that gets you off the sugar. And then my recipes are, I guess, a reflection of all of those, uh, you know, those bits of information I've picked up on, you know, about dietary theory. It's all contained in the recipes. They're simple, highly nutritious, and they're geared at getting rid of cravings. They're geared at replacing everyday things that we love, like granola, you know, like cheesecake, like pumpkin pie. I do versions of all of those which don't contain fructose. So they're, you know, we, we don't binge on them, we don't get obsessed by them, we don't get addicted to them. We can eat one piece and leave it at that and not have to go back for a second because they're filling and nutritious. 
Yes, and you introduced just some dynamic recipes, and and some I've never heard of. So this really intrigued me. It was salted caramel, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, halloumi and apple. Could you tell us a little bit about what is halloumi? Well, halloumi cheese, um, if you've got some Greek listeners out there, they'd be very familiar with it. It's like, it's a chic cheese. It's a firm feta. Um, and it's served by the Greeks. They grill it or they make it into a saganaki, which is basically uh, they, they, they set it alive <laughs> uh, with, with a bit of alcohol. It's a beautiful, really nutritious cheese. And um, you can buy it in supermarkets. You slice it, you pan fry it just with no oil, just in a nonstick pan with some apple slices. And what happens is, is the, the, the fat from the cheese mixes with the, the, you know, the sugar in the apple, the natural sugar in the apple, and it creates this lovely caramel flavor. You know, I sprinkle a little bit of salt and cinnamon. Cinnamon's great for balancing out blood sugar levels and for getting rid of sugar cravings. Now, the reason I eat my apple like this, I mean, apple is very high in fructose. It's about three teaspoons of sugar in one apple. Hmm. The reason I eat it with um, with a cheese is because it actually slows down the metabolization of the sugar and eating you know, sugar with protein and fat will actually ensure that you don't get that sugar spike, that insulin spike. Um, and it fills you up. It won't leave you hungry. Um, so you won't be having to eat more and more, you know. And half an apple in a serving like that, it's a fantastic way to have a dessert, which is not all about sugar. Exactly, and still maintains the taste, which I love. So each date you kind of have in your mind, okay, I'm allocated six to nine teaspoons of sugar. How am I, what am I going to prepare that has this amount and that amount to, to meet the daily um well, I know what you mean. That would that would probably take me all day. I'd be thinking about food all day. The big part of my program is to get us to stop being obsessed by food. So yes, when I first started out, I you know I was reading back of, back of labels and sort of you know casually calculating how much sugar I was having each day. But now I, the way I live is my body knows what it needs. Once you've been off sugar, once you've done my eight week program, your body you know recalibrates and it tells you how much sugar it needs. So sometimes, you know, I'll have a bit of chocolate. If it's my friend's birthday, I'll taste some of, you know, her birthday cake. I'll have a little bit, but it will suddenly hit me that, oh, that's enough. You know, I don't need any more. I don't want any more. So it's not something I've got to, you know, I've got to sit down with a calculator each day. It's very much a natural process. I just naturally veer towards savory foods. And if I'm going to make a treat, I use my sweeteners, the safe sweeteners that don't contain fructose. And what are some uh, safe sweeteners? That don't contain well, there's two that I advocate. Um, I've done a lot of research into this, and bear in mind that some of the, the alternative sweeteners available here in the States are actually banned in parts of the European Union and across Asia because they're not deemed safe. So I've done a lot of research into this. The two that I really suggest and that I work with, the first is stevia. And okay. stevia is a little bit like a mint plant. It's, uh, you can buy it as an extract of drops or you can buy it as sort of granules. So it's very much like table sugar. Um, and look, it's fantastic. I find can, people find it a little bit bitter at times. Um, it's got a bit of an aftertaste. 
I personally don't mind it, but some people have a little bit of a problem with it. So the other sweetener I use is a brown rice syrup. And you can buy that in supermarkets and in health food stores. It's very much like honey. And it's, you know, it's really affordable. And you don't need to use all that much, especially once you've quit sugar. And it's a really good one because it contains no fructose. It's a it's made with brown rice and water. It's it's fermented, so it's nice and healthy, easy to break down. It's a slow releasing carbohydrate. I don't advocate eating, you know, half right. a cup of it at a time. But just, you know, it's enough. A small amount will sweeten, you know, your cookies. It's fantastic for baking with, fantastic for chocolate mousse and and, and so on. So um, look out for that one. Definitely. And, and how is that prepared? Is it like looking at your syrup in the syrup aisle at the grocery store? Is it... Real yeah, it's, it's okay. just comes in a jar. It comes huh. in a jar, very much like you know, honey or or your maple syrup or whatever. It's um, often found in the cooking aisle, you know, the baking aisle of your supermarket. But more and more, you'll find it in the health. You know, it'll be in the health food section of your supermarket. Yeah. Otherwise, if you go to a health food store, you'll find it there, and very easy to buy online as well. Oh, that sounds like a great alternative. So when you're kind of revising, um, you know, like your uh, go-to recipe for uh, cookies or some kind of sweets, can you substitute this and make it, um, I guess, more palatable and more, um, I don't know, not nutritious, but (laughs) for that little... Yeah, no, if if you've got a recipe that um, uses sugar or, or honey or maple syrup, Depending on how intricate the, the recipe is, if it's a nice, simple one, yes, you can substitute. Um, sometimes you have to add a little more liquid um, than you would if you were using regular sugar, so maybe an extra egg or a little bit more um, butter or a little bit more milk. Um, but, yeah, it, it's something that I've experimented with. I mean, I've experimented with it for quite some time now, and, you know, I've got the hang of it. It's really, really quite simple. Oh, this is just great. And listeners, I love the layout. It just gives you steps week by week and an eight-week plan and with recipes and encouragement and, and facts and beautiful pictures. I love all of the pictures of, oh, thank you. <laughs> of the food. And it, it really is, I, I am definitely going to use this as a resource um, with my daughter uh, in terms of, of what to do. And, and speaking of that, because in the meantime, because she is in college now, uh, way out in California, what can college students, you know, who are not living at home and just have a little dorm and not always having access to great cooking um, yeah. and the cafeteria food, what can they do to make sure, you know, they get some good nutrition still and um, kind of watch the sugar intake? Well, the first thing I'd say is um, don't be scared of full-fat options. Um, Avoid low-fat. So low-fat food is always going to have a lot more sugar in it. So just, you know, that's one thing. If you see a a low-fat yogurt versus a full-fat, choose the full-fat option. If you're at your school cafeteria and you've got a whole lot of different options in front of you, avoid the food that's full of sauces. Sauces are always, always full of sugar. So... You know, if you're choosing between, say, a pasta with a 
Milo's pasta sauce um, versus maybe some roast chicken with some roast vegetables, go for the chicken and vegetables because you can see what the ingredients are. You can see that it's vegetables and chicken. Um, the sauces can just, you know, a standard tomato sauce poured over a pasta will contain more sugar than chocolate topping. That's something to keep in mind. Um, so, so that's one thing I would say. Um, the other thing is avoid juices. Um, you know, drink drink tea or water or even milk instead. Um, and, you know, it, just in general, um, avoid processed packaged foods. The less ingredients, the better. The less ingredients usually means there's less sugar. Oh, this is great. Thank you. And I'm going to share that with my daughter today. Uh, we had a couple of questions that came in from listeners. Uh, Chad from Chicago says, I'm eating more fruit and enjoy an occasional bourbon whiskey. How does that influence sugar cravings? <laughs> oh, okay. So he's asking about bourbon and whiskey, did he say? Yes. Um, look, the good news I have for Chad is that alcohol um, – doesn't have to be completely avoided when you're drinking when you're when you're quitting sugar. So, um, your spirits such as your whiskies and your vodka um, actually contain no fructose. So, you know, as long as you're drinking in moderation, one or two drinks for men, um, you're absolutely fine. But just watch what you mix it with. Um, no tonics, no cola, no ginger. It's uh, it's it's soda water or, or seltzer. You know, sparkling water only, um, because all the others contain huge amounts of sugar. The other thing is, is you know, when we're talking about wine. Wine contains a very small amount of fructose, and it's the fructose or the sugar that actually ferments to become alcohol. So red wine in particular contains very little um, sugar, so it's not a bad option as well. But as I say, moderation, one to two glasses. Yes. Yes, drink responsibly. That is great. And then Amanda wrote in saying, my two-year-old son has been sugar-free until tasting my mom's chocolate chip cookies. Any suggestions? Oh, okay. Well, listen, I've got a recipe for some great cookies in my book. I've got um, a poppy seed cookie, which kids really, really love. But I've also got some other cookie recipes in there, which um, use some fantastic ingredients um, like almond meal. And you can flavor them up with some some chocolate, some, some cacao, and put nuts and things like that in it. Um, I've got some more, all different kinds of flavors, a mocha flavor, a lavender flavor, which probably doesn't suit children. But, you know, she might want to get her, her mum onto cooking those for her grandchild, a much better option. <laughs> and I love poppy seed. I've So how does that work, a poppy seed cookie? I've heard well, of poppy seed poppy muffins. Seed. Yeah, poppy seeds are great because they've got lots of protein and omega-3 oils, you know, and, and they create a really lovely flavor. Um, and, you know, they're healthy. They just add a bit of a bit of sparkle to your biscuit so, or to your cookie. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're a great one to play with. They're cheap. You can find them in the supermarket very, very easily. They work really well with almond meal and sort of um, grated lemon or orange zest. The zest of these fruits is a great way to get that fruit flavor without the sugar. 
that is just a fabulous thought. The zest to get the the flavor and the fruit. Mm. Oh, th- these are just excellent recommendations. And readers, I can't wait for you to um, to visit me at kitchenchat.info so you can um, be entered to win a copy of I Quit Sugar by Sarah Wilson. And I am just learning so much, Sarah. And I'm literally devouring your cookbook and your great eight-week detox program and cookbook um, that, that that's very specific. I mean, that's what's wonderful. I mean, you, you talk about, okay, we're going to do this in eight weeks, and, and you give all of the steps of how to do that and achieve that goal. And, I'll and make it as easy and fun as possible. I don't want it to be a negative experience for anyone. Yes, and you know what? The way you start the the book, and I get goosebumps listeners reading it. It says, a little dedication. I wrote this for everyone who's ever struggled with their eating and their health and then given themselves a stinking hard time for not finding a way to get on top of things. And I wish to say to you all, you're not alone. We're all in this together. Yeah, and I do mean that because I do know what a hard time we all give ourselves. Yes. Yes, and women especially, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. Oh. There is an easier way. We can do it in a positive way. So that's my aim with all of this. Oh, well, I love it. And thank you so much for being on Kitchen Chat, Sarah, and sharing your I Quit Sugar book and the ways that we can improve our health and um, just give ourselves a body makeover. <laughs> yeah, well, my pleasure. It's been lovely talking with you in your kitchen. Oh, thank you, Sarah. And listeners, do stay in touch. Visit kitchenchat.info and check out all the blogs and the giveaways. And remember, during these busy times, take a moment and savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pro Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you. So join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.